Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. Welcome to Flashback Friday. We are so excited to honor Filipino American History Month which was the month of October. So we decided to flash back to some of our favorite interviews with Filipino artists from this past year. And when we were going through the list, one, it's crazy, just the sheer number of, of Filipino stories that we were able to share with you guys, but also the diversity of the stories that we were telling. So we're going to bring you Kayla Galang, who uh, wrote, directed, and starred in the short film Learning Tagalog with Kayla. Uh, we're going to talk about Filipino superheroes with writer-director Patricio Ginelsa and the stars April Absinthe and Katrina Damaranin of the film Lumpia with a Vengeance. This was a, a sequel to the popular uh, first Lumpia film. And then we're going to get a little emotional, <laughs> to say the least, uh, about uh, the narrative drama Islands with the writer and director Martin Edrelin. And then finally, we're celebrating, we're bringing you again our interview for the documentary A Thousand Cuts, which is uh, based on Filipino-American journalist and recent Nobel Peace Prize winner Maria Ressa. And we sit down with director Ramona Diaz and friend of the show, Bay Area hip-hop activist Ruby Ibarra. So this one is packed full of love for uh, our Filipino community and uh, due to time constraints we couldn't put every single interview uh, that, that we did this year so we are going to put in our show notes it, if you want a little more uh, Filipino action for your asses uh, I highly suggest you click on our interviews with um, from the film The Fabulous Filipino Brothers we have a sibling duo two separate interviews one with Dante Bosco who is a writer, director, and star of the film, and his sister, who was also a co-writer and uh, star in the film, Ariana Bosco. So um, it's a lot, I know, but we have a lot to celebrate, and hopefully next year we'll bring double the amount of stories that, uh, that we got to bring to you this year. So thank you so much for listening, and enjoy our celebration of Filipino American History Month. We're back live at South by Southwest, virtually, of course, with, uh, I'm going to call her a friend of the show already because I, I felt like uh, I, I've watched this short twice now, and I think our producer has as well, <laughs> uh, that's Char. Um, but uh, we have Kyla Galong here, and her short film is called Learning Tagalog with Kyla. And uh, if you can, can you tell our audience what your short is about, please? Um, I'm oh, sorry, you might have heard my cat just now. Um, my short is about, um, she's just meowing by the door, sorry. That's um, okay. <laughs> so it's like kind of, I would say, a daydream of a language learning lesson that kind of goes off the rails um, and falls <laughs> in Tagalog. Um, and I, that's probably the best way I can describe it without giving too much away, but. Yeah, so I, I mean, was this a, was this a daydream during the pandemic, I assume? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which part of the pandemic was this was this dream daydream oh, for shit. you? Uh well, this was sometime in August. So it was kind of it felt like kind of like peak pandemic for me. And it was really it's I wasn't well, I live in Texas, so it was hot as shit outside. So I wasn't going outside either. Um so I was kind of stuck at home and kind of like feeling present with all the sadness and joy, I'd say, <laughs> that I was feeling my home. So um, kind of going through the motions of that was kind of daydreamy, but. <laughs> yeah, I think I think one part that's really relatable about it is it's, I just, I stopped asking people, how are you? You know, just because <laughs> it's just such, such a loaded yeah. question uh, during 
the multiple crises that we've lived through in the past mm -hmm. year. And so that it just, <laughs> just you're, you're acting in it, or maybe it wasn't acting. Maybe you really were. That's why I'm like, this is going to be like a therapy session. Maybe you really were just <laughs> expressing where you were in that moment. Um, and, and just answering the question, how are you? was just, it's impossible to, uh, unless you want the truth yeah. and then, and then you get the truth. <laughs> oh, exactly. I, yeah, I, that, I don't know, really hits the nail on the head, just like the question of how are you, um, especially like in the virtual space. I feel like I've been on Zoom so many times where I felt compelled to answer very honestly, but <laughs> haven't really been able to because I'm, um, you know, professional boundaries, you know, professionalism. So, well, we have no boundaries here. So, cool. let, it, let it out. <laughs> Thank you. Boundary free zone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's. Again, I've, I just watched it a second time because I, I really do love it. And I'm going to watch it again and again. I think it just there's something so, like you said, joyful. But then there's also this this peak sadness in it. Cause you're like, that's exactly how I feel. And I love I love. the Well, I love the part about your cat, but also <laughs> it's so dark and I loved it. Uh, I love the part about baking. It's okay. kind of like a fuck you to the whole baking thing. Can you talk <laughs> about <know>. that? <laughs> it's, it's funny because I feel like. I feel like sourdough, like the word sourdough is kind of triggering for me right now. Because, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't bake bread. I'm really fucking bad at bread. Um, so I actually found, <laughs> this is gonna be a tangent about baking now because I really love it. It was like a newfound hobby that I picked up mid pandemic. Um, and I even like tried to bake pundasol, but that didn't work out. Um, so I've been really good at cookies and sometimes cakes. Um, I've been making a lot of like ube crinkle cookies lately. Oh, yeah, yeah. We accept. Yeah. <laughs> we accept cookies in the mail, please. Yeah. I will send you all some. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. I think they're pretty good. I've oh, that sounds amazing. Here in my corner, so yeah. <laughs> but but you've lived in California, correct? Yeah, I uh, lived in California till 2007. Um, I lived there, um, I guess, like during like elementary through early high school. Yeah. Okay. Northern or Southern? Um, Southern. I was in San Diego. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I'm asking because you said you like baking and you're naming all these, these Filipino breads. I wanted to know if you heard of Senorita bread, which is a Northern California mm. thing that no. I recently learned about in my thirties. So anyway, when you come visit us in San Francisco, we're going to have some Senorita bread. It's a it's a okay. Filipino staple, but it's Northern California specific. So anyway, we can move on from there. I just had to, <laughs> I just had to ask that question. Well, we talk about it often on the show because it's yeah. so delicious. And our producer here, Shar, introduced us to it and we can't stop talking about it. We're trying to get sponsored, which yeah. is what's happening right now. So uh, yeah, we're Filipinoing it up. And anyway, I want to get to the Tagalog aspect of yes. the short. Uh, do you speak... Uh, does has your mom watched this video what does she think of it like i, I want to hear all about all about all of that oh god um it's i don't i don't speak fluent tagalog um i'm i'm trying um i feel like i've been trying to learn like on and off especially with like occasional trips to the philippines and um my mom was actually kind enough to help me translate the whole thing and for whatever reason she didn't like really like bat an eye or you know, comment on anything that I was saying, even though I was being really <laughs> candid about it, which was really nice. <laughs> That's a supportive like, mom. Oh, yeah. there's Kayla just doing what it is that she's doing. She's like, when did, when am I going to see your video? And she's seen the video and she's like, yeah, that was nice. That was, that was good. <laughs> How very <laughs> Filipino. Of exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I love, I love the style in which it's filmed. Uh, I, I love the characters in your film. Can you, can you, can you talk? Are those really your roommates? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like, I, I feel like they're all, I guess we're all like heightened versions of ourselves. Even the cats. I feel like the cats are kind of elusive in the film. Um, but <laughs> yeah, David and Will are real people. Um, David's my childhood friend from Southeast San Diego, actually. Um, he moved to Austin recently and he's big on working out and protein. <laughs> photography oh is um, he the so. is he the kind of guy that like loses weight in a pandemic I was just complaining about this you were yesterday. Yeah. he's actually um <laughs> wanting to like slim down a bit he said like he thinks that he worked out too much during the pandemic so he, yeah I know I'm like okay, I okay. all right I have the yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, whatever dude <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> 
And yeah, um, Will's my, um, he's actually my fiance and the guy who, you know, he helped sound mix and score the film um, with like a reference track to uh, Mr. DJ by Sharon Canetta. So my mom was really happy about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're real people. Um, they're very much characters in real life too. Um, and I'm glad they allowed me to film them, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um I I feel like uh you know I always wanted to learn Tagalog and I was really mad at my parents for never speaking it with me. Mm. But it was but it was because you know we're we're American, we live in America, so you know we just want you to learn English. Was that was that what happened with you? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much like um Yeah, they kind of like kept it from me, um, especially because I, you know, there was no use for it, um, you know, being in America, but I think they also kind of like kept it from me to like, you know, keep me out of like grown up conversations growing up, unfortunately, <laughs> or to like shit talk me in Tagalog, you know, when I could easily pick up on certain cues. Um, so, you know, as part of that, but also to their benefit, I think they'll deny it, but yeah, I think it's mm. true. <laughs> and from your Filipino friends with the reactions beyond your mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's oh my gosh like I, I feel like I've made a lot more like Filipino friends Aww. in the past like month which has been nice like I've been reached out to by people who've like taken notice of the film and um, it's been really validating especially as someone who feels kind of like impostery sometimes being Filipino um, not knowing the language or for like living in Texas, like away from, you know, a predominantly Filipino community that I used to know. So it's been really kind um, to see the response. People have been, you know, saying that my Tagalog actually didn't sound bad. <laughs> so that was also like big ups. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Oh, I couldn't tell if you were, if you were fluent. But then again, I don't speak, but I hear it, you know, yay. all the time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I couldn't tell at all, but that's really great. Yeah, we've had so many conversations, especially recently about like, what does it mean to be Asian American, Filipino American. Yeah. There's no right or wrong way to do it, yeah. right? But but we're just we're just taught we're just taught so many things and all these expectations. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that that's kind of brought you more to your roots and more accepting of yourself. It's really important. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I had a question about the short. I do feel like it could be a feature length. Are you oh. think you, no? You're like no. That's this <laughs> oh, is wow, it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's so it's fun and quirky and something you know you don't always see all the time. And I, I think there's something there. Have, have you thought about that? Um, it's, it's funny because I originally conceived um, learning Tagalog with Kyla as a series um, because I originally had the, I guess, like first episode as a part of a community arcade, like showcase project. Um, and I wanted to like follow, I guess, like a public access, like aesthetic of lessons. Um, <laughs> and I did try like two or three times to do a follow-up piece, but it just didn't feel right. Um, so I'm just waiting for, I guess, like the next time that I feel like prompted and moved to make another piece. So there might be a follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see her on the road. You know, <laughs> I want to see you like speaking with elders or something with your broken Tagalog. I think that would be fun. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, my grandma said I sounded like Siri. So that was really cool. Too. Siri? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I actually had a cousin um, in the Philippines who was like, oh, maybe we all won't be so afraid to talk to you now. So that was really nice. Yeah. Aww. So I think I'm going to yeah, try to like fluently learn. But that also sounds fun, like taking it on the road and everything. I like even thought about doing it in West Texas and like the wilderness or something. I would like to see that. You should go to the stockyards up in like Fort Worth or something and like Ooh. try your Tagalog there. That'd be real interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Just try Just it. Really try it. Well, I yeah. mean, see what happens. Um, so talk about, you know, you, you shot this in August and did you have the idea of like, I'm going to just submit this to film festivals and then you get into South by or. Um, so I, you know, I made it purely to like live within the showcase that I filmed it for. Um, and I didn't really get the idea to submit it until my friend was like, go submit it to stuff. Um, so that was really cool. And as soon as South by opened, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give this a shot. And I submit as soon as they opened. So it felt really like 
really cool once I got that email in um, December. Yeah. <laughs> and and are you thinking about shopping it to other film festivals or? Um, yeah, I've actually submitted to quite a few. Um, and it's actually going to be going to Aspen Shorts Fest in Atlanta um, in April. So pretty excited for those. Yeah, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was going to say really quickly, you should try for CamFest also in yes, San Francisco. I to that. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, yes. cool. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll yeah. tell them that they have to uh, oh, program that. We, we have, we sometimes have an in there, so we'll tell them they have to. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then we, and then you can get some Senorita bread as a I as a prize so once that. you get we'll, in yeah. we'll probably have to send it to her yeah if you send us ube cookies <laughs> or whatever they are yeah, and we will send you senorita bread dude absolutely I, yes you got a deal um yeah oh i feel like i'm also i might try to make this thing called hanorno which is like from my mom's province which is like bread like baked between like coconut leaves or something or i don't know it's also mm. a version of um pundasol so yeah, I could send that to y'all if it doesn't turn out awful. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'm not going to say no to baked things. So even <laughs> yeah. if you just want us to be the test kitchen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but I, you have to send it to the, my producer and to Ange first because they're, they're the Filipinos in this in this team. I'm just, I'm just a Filipino adjacent. Yeah, you these, are by these proxy. Two. Yeah, yeah, to these two. <laughs> she deals with all the, the issues of us being Filipino. So you are Filipino. <laughs> bad at communicating, bad at communicating. Yeah. Let's yeah. put it out there. But, uh, but I did want to ask, uh, so you have been to the Philippines? Um, yes, uh, it was, I was born there and spent like maybe six months of my life there, but I was like a baby, but um, I visited twice in the past few years or so. and. I miss it. So yeah, yeah. Well, I so I took a class in Tagalog before I went to the Philippines because I was like, this is it. This is how I'm going to learn. And every time I would try to speak Tagalog, they would answer me in English because everyone speaks English. So I had no time to practice. Is that is that your experience? Yeah, yeah. Like, like they could just like, tell, you know. <laughs> they could just tell, and it's funny. My dad had this experience where um he got a little bit hurt that someone approached him with English because um. I think like they could feel that he was from the States. He used to live in the Philippines and he can still speak like very fluent Tagalog, but he felt like an outsider at the moment that he was approached in English. And um, yeah, I feel like everyone was testing their English on us too, <laughs> um, particularly <laughs> me and like my cousins. My cousins would definitely try to like, you know, practice, like, practice their English with me. And that was really sweet, but um. I did not put my Tagalog to any use, or I guess what I learned from the apps. <laughs> well, maybe we can have sessions together. That would be nice. I'm just putting it out there, you know? Little therapy I love Tagalog that. sessions. <laughs> yeah. <Tagalog>? yeah. <laughs> we'll just put it on our YouTube page after you guys do these, these sessions. That'll be really cute. <laughs> okay, well, we'll be in touch because I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm, I'm super down because I need to, oh no, my cat's, throwing up right now oh, oh well on that note Jeez. we will end <laughs> we will wrap our oh, no. interview <laughs> just beside me and she's just like oh that's how she feels oh, about now. us all right <laughs> no, no, all right no. <laughs> she's like no you're not gonna get cookies and you're not gonna like do tagalog lessons with my mom kyla it's been such a pleasure <laughs> speaking with you and good luck with south by thank you for coming on bitch talk thank you all so much yeah so nice to meet you Welcome back to CamFest 2021. We're excited to bring you from Lumpia with a Vengeance, our writer-director Patricio Genelsa, and stars of the film April Absinthe and Katrina Demarnan. Welcome, everyone. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Patricio, we're going to start with you because, uh, yeah, you've been around with this Lumpia business for 20 years now. So can you introduce this film to our audience? Uh, Lumpia with a Vengeance is an action comedy. It's a, a sequel to a homemade movie I did uh, probably what, 20 years ago called Lumpia, uh, shot in Daly City. And it's about uh, a superhero who uses Lumpia as a weapon and protects Fogtown, which is Daly City. So that's the short, <laughs> the short su su synopsis. <laughs> nice. 
Yeah, well, I'm going to start off real simple. I want to know how many lumpia roughly did you eat throughout the filming of this? And is it possible to get be sick of lumpia? Because for me, it's not. <laughs> well, for a little bit of vengeance, uh, it's it's mostly CG lumpia now, which uh, that's the secret. But the original one, you know, we had to actually use real lumpia. And how many lumpia? I, I mean, Depends on what you define as lumpia, because uh, when we cooked it, we usually used we were such in a hurry to to shoot that that homemade movie that we would like grab whatever was left over from like my mom's kitchen. And whether it was mungo beans or corned beef or Vienna sauce, you just put it all together. So we had this mystery lumpia and our, our, our actors never <laughs> knew what was inside the lumpia. It was a, like a surprise. So. <laughs> Wow, that's hilarious. That's yeah. nice behind the scenes. Because you know, we didn't want to dispose of real lump, use real lumpia. Right. Like, no one ate. So, you know, we obviously we just wanted to use leftover lumpia, not the real one because we wanted to eat it, not throw and it, it takes, around. It takes a long time to to make real lumpia, too. Yes, it does. Yes. Very true. Very true. It's labor intensive. I, I actually yes. taught my co-host here. So, yeah. Yeah. Like you got to get the wrapper and you got to make sure it's like tight. It's, it's tight. Of, yeah. 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 Otherwise, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Um, I've learned. Apart. I've learned my lesson well. Um, Patricio, you uh, wrote a couple of badass uh, female characters, um, which was great to see in this film, and especially uh, women of color. Can you talk about uh, writing for the women, and also if Katrina and April want to talk about that too? I'm sure it was kind of a driving force to to be a part of the film. Well, uh, Katrina plays Gemini in our film, um, and so she, the, the that villain was already there from draft one. I I, I felt I needed, uh, we we needed a a, a very um, uh, a, a villain that just had this really uh, rule the. I, well, I don't want to spoil she it. She was a badass. She's a badass. Yes, <laughs> That's all I, we need. I, 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 badass, bad um, bitch. Uh, April's character. She plays Rachel, and that was an actual. Uh, that took a while to get to her character because it started out. Lumpia Revenges was started out. The main character was Mon Mon, which was the, uh, the her father, the original in in the original film. Then it ended up becoming uh, a son, his son. And then we ultimately uh, came up by the I don't know twentieth draft, but right before we shot uh, uh, to Rachel. So it was a kind of an evolution of trying to figure that out. And, uh, you know, April uh, owned that role to the point where we even rewrote the third act during during production. Wow. So that was, uh, for me, a learning experience as a filmmaker. And it, it, it I, I feel it, it made the script uh, uh, better <laughs> or more delicious, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to mention that I thought it was so dope having both the antagonist and the protagonist be female and you know you don't really get to see that too often in a lot of films nowadays or really ever in the same film you know and both of these women have so many things that they have in common they're trying to fight for what they believe in even though what Gemini believes in is bad you know and they're both such strong women who are just really trying to change the world and really not let men be the ones who are the bosses of them you know and it's funny because um Rachel's character, she's just a high school teenager. Yeah, she's pretty much trying to save the world. And she kind of does. And I mean, if you guys saw the film, you'll see that too. She's a kick-ass character. And and Patricia, like, I salute, of course. And I salute (laughs) Pat for choosing women to play not only the main character, but also the the villain of the film, you know? So that was pretty cool, I think. Yes. It's funny because um, when I went to my audition for Rachel, I didn't know that Katrina was the one who was sitting in the lobby, um, right? Like, it was just so funny. So we kind of crossed paths and little yeah. did know that we were going to be the protagonist and antagonist. Um, yeah. We also came from the same high school. So yep. it's just hey. so... I think the cool thing about the question that you asked about being a, a, a woman at a time when we're doing a Filipino American film, it's like it's like a double whammy for lack of a better term. You're you're hitting like women empowerment right now. And we're also falling into a time of where representation matters. So mm-hmm. I don't know, like Katrina, I I yeah. Feel so blessed that we get to be oh, women at this moment. It's that's that's how I I feel. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing, amazing feeling. And the Bay Area premiere could not have have have, have happened at a better time than now because of everything that's been going on, obviously mm-hmm. with the Asian American community. But 
this film, it's released in the Bay Area, especially because it's very prominent, you know, all the violence that's going on right now in our hometown. So I thought it was a perfect time for it to to make its debut out there. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good point because because we all in our community need to step up to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and that means standing up for each other and, and vocalizing how we feel, but also doing our part to bridge um, ourselves with other communities and mm-hmm. finding yeah. um, finding ways to unify with one another uh, through storytelling, which is what I love about our cast is that every it's so diverse and it's so representative of the Bay Area because Growing up in Fremont, you know, Katrina and I, <laughs> like, the, we had every type every of type person, of race. Uh, yeah, in our, in our grade school, in, um, in high school, and like, we were all homies. And so to go out and venture to different parts of the world, and you don't see that, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's weird. It's, uh, <laughs> the rest of the world's missing out. The rest yeah. of the world is missing out. Um, how peaceful and how awesome like a cohesive um, multi-community can be it's that's why we have such a special story in in the bay area to share with with everyone else that like it's possible for everyone to get along it is it really is because it Mm -hmm. happens here Thank you. Yeah, so true. So beautiful. And um, just a side note, Katrina, I was hoping you were going to be wearing the lipstick for this interview. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> Maybe next time. I mean, it's a thing. I hope it sticks. That is a, it's a look. Yeah. That it's, is a look. It, it just is works. a look. But you know how hard it was to not make sure that it blends because it was black and white. I could barely speak unless it was my turn to film a scene because if I even laughed and I love to laugh and, you know, like joke around. So if I even just went like this on accident and it was the wrong angle, girl, my lipstick is gray. <laughs> it would be gray because the colors would just mash. Right. April is just half. half right. Right. <laughs> but I so love that look. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I love just, I love films like this, especially like from the Bay, because it just dispels this myth that in order to be in the entertainment industry, you need to go to Hollywood, you know? Um, So, but Patricio, I'd love to speak about just this tribe that you've amassed throughout the years in the Bay and how they've kind of kept you motivated and inspired. And and for Katrina and April, for you to enter this established family, this established Olympia family and and what that was like. Um, I think, so, so, you know, we had our Bay Area premiere. We're sharing it with the Fabas Filipina Brothers, um, directed by Dante Bosco. And, uh, you know, uh, we we shared the same DNA in the debut. I mean, I, I was part of that film with the debut. And uh, I know all of them were all family. And so to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the San Francisco premiere of the debut uh, with them, it, it, it was, I mean, that's why we're... It, I, I couldn't think of a better San Francisco premiere. The fact we're spending, uh, we're, we're sharing it, uh, sharing the stage with, with family. And, and that's how it started for us really to create this tribe, you know, that it started working on the debut, uh, getting this, uh, this volunteer crew together. And then that kind of spinned off with Lumpia. We put this homemade movie out because we saw the, the, the appetite that was that people wanted after the debut and then from Lumpia, we actually started making music videos, uh, you know, for a lot of the musicians that donated the songs to not only Lumpia, but also to, to the debut. And so we started, uh, myself and AJ Kolomai from Xylophone Films, we just started this whole form of community filmmaking that, uh, you know, that's also we were filmmakers now. We're making these uh, music videos that 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 all then became we worked uh, with Bamboo with with uh, Rocky Rivera mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these prominent uh, film independent artists and then we went to a new level when we worked with the Black Eyed Peas we did the Apple Song uh, Bebo and so we for I think what two decades we were just kind of playing that sandbox of Filipino American pop culture and independent scene uh, and but the feature film this Loopy with a Vengeance was kind of like our our goal. Because the stores were getting the the platform, the the music, the the store is getting too big for storytelling. But we wanted to, to uh, you know, feature films was always my goal. And so, Olympia of Vengeance was kind of like our, uh, uh, our, our 
testament to, or, or, you know, to use our community filmmaking and getting all the folks that we've gathered and who'd worked with us in the, in the last two decades, whether they were uh, filmmakers or musicians or even cast that we've worked in past projects. And that's what I'm most proud of Olympia of Vengeance is that, yes, it started out with this neighborhood project of just kids that, that, that started this with a bunch of Filipino kids in the neighborhood. And it has now expanded to incorporate uh, not just actors from the debut, from the flip side, uh, from the original Olympia, and now with Hollywood, with, uh, with UFC fighting with Mark Munoz, and then with Danny Trejo. Uh, yeah. I think that's the most beautiful thing about this project. You see, it, it could have been an experiment that could have just fell apart. You know, professional actors with, 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 with regular folks that don't have acting experience, you know, or, or no, I'm, I'm sorry, not acting experience, but that, that don't act professionally. Um, but to, so, so like Lumpia, you know, we wrapped it all together and, 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 and it became this really delicious, uh, feast, you know, and that, I think that's for me, I, I just feel blessed with Katrina and April, we struck gold, uh, just, uh, they, they own their characters and to a point where it made it easier for me to, um, you know, to, to, uh, to kind of rewrite it. And, and, uh, even with these comic books kind of like just even, uh, what's the word, uh, kind of uh, work their stories out more, their characters more. Yeah. So. And, and I read yeah. you had a, um, a bigger budget this time, um, which is great. Still low budget still though. I know, I know. <laughs> but I was going to say still very independent. Um, but if you can talk about just the casting and then bringing in Danny Trejo and also a couple other Bosco brothers, I saw, I also saw Kevin Kamea, who yeah. I'm guessing is a friend of yours, who yeah. I, I love his comedy, but talking about the casting and also just being very intentional about keeping it local. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, it was important to keep it local because the original movie was shot in Daily City. We call it Fogtown just because it's like <laughs> like Metropolis and Gotham City in the comic book world. You know, they're, they're substitutes for New York City, Chicago. Right. So why not Fogtown representing Daly City? Perfect. Um, perfect name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's so obvious. I mean, people yeah. already know it's Daly City. It's like, oh, no, it represents yeah. any city that has a big Filipino population. You know, <laughs> could be Carson. It could be Glenda. What's going on? Whatever. But uh, regardless, yeah, shooting the Bay was important. And. Um, I, I'll tell you that the only reason we were we were crowdfunded, you know, in 2013, this is almost eight years ago. And, you know, we and, and, and but the money we raised was never enough to make a feature film. So we used that to fundraise. But anytime we would, you know, give up or we were kind of like hitting this this obstacle, there was always this checkpoint that we would hit and whether or not it was oh, getting crowdfunded. And then the next checkpoint would be, oh, we got Mark Munoz involved. And the next checkpoint was, oh, okay, we got Danny Trejo. He said, he said yes. Or, you know, we, we got April and Katrina. It just seemed like any time that we would, in, 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 and making independent movies are hard. So anytime we would hit this thing and wanted to give up, we always thought of, oh, well, you know what? We have backers in the audience waiting for us, you know? And that was what kept us motivated. And in a way, we wanted to make sure it was a good movie. We didn't just want to make a movie for the sake of just fulfilling our crowdfunding. You know, we wanted to make sure that it was a movie worthy of all the support that we were getting and all the hard work that, you know, our cast and Katrina and April were putting into this. They were owning it. So, uh, yeah, it took a long time. We didn't have, we never had all the money uh, uh, to spend, but we had the time to spend it because we were all part-time filmmakers. There were none of us was doing this full time. And then that's, that was the, I think it was the blessing to come out of this uh, thing, looking back now and saying, wow, we got this and we premiered in Hawaii. And then we won an audience award there. It's, I, I, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it has, I haven't processed the whole, what has <laughs> happened so far. Katrina and April, you know, you, you both have to be just mad you know, throughout this film, but we've, <laughs> but we've seen the blooper roll, the blooper reels. I love that you include oh, those. There were. But how, how do you, how do you keep a straight face with, with some of these like ridiculous joke one-liners <laughs> and, and things like that? I mean, I know you're professional, but was it hard? Were there some scenes where it's just like you had to break? Gosh, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know, when you're, when you're just in the scene and you're with your family there, it's like, you guys are they're just joking the whole time. But, yeah. you know, sometimes you joke and but. you like have to keep a, a straight face because that's a part of delivering the joke. It's just it's just like that. Um, I know for Katrina, it's probably because you couldn't move your lips. <laughs> yeah, now we know. No, I, do, I do remember, though, April, that scene where we we're in the kitchen. And then it was when they found out that um, 
I probably can't even talk about the movie, but it was a scene you and I were were like face to face and we had a serious like confrontation and I was like just talking down on you the meanest and then we just like (laughs) broke down and started laughing. It was was so hard. It was so hard because I swear to God, like the nicest person in the whole world. She is so sweet and she is just yelling at me and I'm like, girl, I can't with you yeah. right now. And then um, I even catch myself. I'm like, oh my God, Gemini's so mean. Like, did I just say that? <laughs> oh my God. You just like slap, follow your own hand. Yeah, I'm just like, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank, yeah. thank you so much. This has been so fun. It's like talking with friends and, and your your relationship, it shows in, in the film and, and just so proud for our community to have this film. So uh, again, we've been talking to the director and writer Patricio Genelsa and stars April Absinthe and Katrina Damaranan. Thank you guys so much. Congratulations. Thank you for thank having you. us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We are back again at South by Southwest, virtually, of course. Uh, with film director Martin Ederlin from the film Islands. Um, We're going to get into it in just a minute. But Martin, can you please introduce the film to our listeners? Yeah, it's it's a narrative feature film, Filipino-Canadian and Filipino language, about um, a middle-aged Filipino immigrant who is taking care of his elderly parents and um, is terrified of being alone once his parents pass. Yeah. Uh, this film really hits home. I'm just going to be very, very honest. I, I'm Chinese American, but my mm. two team members here are Filipino American. And um, can you talk about uh, the script of this film and also, um, yeah, just the meat and potatoes of the script? Because again, it really hits home for us. Yeah. Well, my parents were retiring and just, you know, getting older. And I was just thinking about what, you know, what happens when you hear stories of seniors that retire and then just deteriorate really quickly because, you know, they don't have the same schedules and aren't using their, their minds in the same way. And, you know, being Asian, just being Asian, uh, and we're not the only culture, but, you know, we have this responsibility to take care of our parents. And um, we live in cultures where that's not normal and and also in cultures where our work life is different from where we you know say if we were in Asia where we might not be as busy I mean it's also the times too right like things all over the world now are just sort of busier but also in other countries at least in the Philippines you know you have a bigger sort of like network of family or friends or neighbors Um, also you know there's there's domestic help but I mean, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. issue, but um, yeah. it's just like Canadian or American culture doesn't really have this sort of system set up for us to, or, or like a way of life that is set up in a way that we can look after our parents or even our kids or anybody, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have full disclosure with you right now, Martin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I lost my dad in December and um, he also dressed as Elvis. I mean, the same outfit. It was ridiculous, except that belt. Your Elvis had a much nicer belt. I'm going to have to ask you about that later. Um, And since then, I have become my mom's full-time caregiver as we, you know, figure out how to go on without him. So um, it took me three hours to watch this film because I kept having to pause it and be like, are you Mm -hmm. fucking kidding me right now? You know, Um, as Asian American women, we always talk about how important it is to have representation, but you hit it a little too close to home. I'm just going to say that. Um, <laughs> but but thank you for, wow, just getting it so right. Um, so I, I have a three-part question for you. Um, how much of this was based on real life, just in terms of like the little everyday things, the, the little nuances? Um, where can I get that Elvis belt? Um, <laughs> and also, are you willing to start a support group with me? <laughs> if it's just you and me I don't even care but I'm like he gets me he gets me right now uh, so yeah I'll, I'll answer all these questions backwards yes support group for sure <laughs> the belt the actor is actually an Elvis impersonator oh my god like, of course yeah like I don't know if he does this anymore I think he's he's gotten older but he he used to go to like those big festivals where everyone's dressed as Elvis 
Um, and I kind of knew about him in the community. And, you know, there's not a lot of Asian or Filipino actors here. So I was like, I wonder if he would do it. And we reached out to him. Um, and then knowing he was an Elvis impersonator and Filipinos love for Elvis or anything American, I was like, we need to use this somehow. Um, and then, well, um, I haven't brought this up in any other interview because I just didn't want to go there. But since you brought this up, I also lost my father between finishing this movie and this premiere. So it's God. just been kind of crazy to think about. I'm writing a movie about, you know, my parents getting old and thinking about taking care of them in old age. And I don't show my parents my movies until I can sit in a theater with them. It's, I mean, for my short films, it was kind of the thing, you know, Asian parents don't want you in the arts. So <laughs> I wanted them to like sit beside me at the Toronto International Film Festival so they could be like, oh, this is real, right? And it's just been a thing, you know, you want people to have that experience on the big screen, but now he's not going to get to see it, you know? And that's, that's sort of been hard. I, that's basically all I've been thinking about this entire festival. It's like, I wish he was here. Um, and just, he had this pride of, you know, seeing my name on the big screen, like it meant more to him than it meant to me. Um, and so, yeah, like, it's sort of weird that, I didn't write any of that into the movie because I wasn't even there yet. Like I was so far from thinking about taking care of my parents. Like this was just in my mind, but now we're in a situation where my mom is alone and my brother's actually there. He's been staying with her during the pandemic and she's, you know, she's very healthy still like very healthy for her age. Um, but yeah, it's just been weird to like, I've been sort of detached from the movie since we finished it, but now with the festival, you know, I've been, I talk about it and I'm, my head's back in it. And it's amazing to think like from, you know, a year or two years ago to where my life is right now. Um, but I, you know, I mean, this, it's just life. Right? Yeah. Um, and thank you for sharing that. And, and thanks Ange for being so vulnerable. I know this, she was texting me while she, she watched the film first and she's like, I need to walk away. I need a beer. And I'm like, Oh my God. So I watched it yesterday and I was texting her. I'm like, I don't even know how you watch this film, but it is, I think it's such a beautiful film. And um, I want to talk about the casting process because man, Joshua really had to go there like full vulnerability. And I, I thought his casting was amazing. And I loved Marisol. So, I mean, I love the whole cast, but can you talk about the casting process? Yeah, we, um, we started on social media. Like we knew we couldn't go the traditional route of getting like a casting director or looking at the, the union. Cause there's just not a lot of Filipino actors. And then especially at that age range mm -hmm. and even the younger ones, a lot of them don't speak Tagalog. So um, we started on social media. I would like show up at any Filipino event. Like there might be a documentary <laughs> screening or like a, a pop-up for like Filipino pastries. And we would just hand out flyers. <laughs> we went great. to Seaf Seafood City. I know they have oh, it in LA yes. or somewhere in yes. California. And handing yeah. out food. That's the key. <laughs> anyone's heart. <laughs> well, we were just, yeah, we would stand outside giving casting flyers outside Jollibee um yeah we did a lot of work in the end everyone came through social media we didn't have to do all that driving and running around but um it was fun it, it was kind of fun for me to connect with these communities oh and I would show up to senior dance classes and that was my favorite part oh, yes so yeah. good yeah. yeah I love that well, in, in light of, you know, these attacks that are happening in the AAPI community um, and, what, you know, what we're all going through, it seems like this film is just so much more necessary right now. And we forgot to mention you're the first Filipino film in the narrative feature section of South by Southwest ever. So that's a huge feat, you know, in and of itself. But um, yeah, in light of just what we're all going through and feeling in the States, at least, you know, I know in, in Canada, you, you, you're a supportive, uh, healthier brother, big brother to the US, like, oh, sorry, you guys can't get it together down there, you know? <laughs> but um, what do you want people to take from this film in terms of just being an immigrant and being an Asian, not Asian American, but, you know, first generation Filipino? 
Yeah, I think, um, I mean, before those events, I was just thinking about, you know, telling a, a Filipino story. I was born in Canada um, and I just, I wanted some sort of, I don't know, to dig into my roots. You know, I think that our generation of either you grew up from a very young age in Canada or the U.S. or you were born here, I feel like we're like really clawing to connect to something that feels like us or something more familiar to us in our culture. Um, and then, yeah, just humanizing us. And, and, you know, I think that's a thing that it took me a while to realize that, you know, if we don't see ourselves, it, it makes you feel like you don't really belong in the big conversation. Right. Um, and now in light of the events, you know, it's been sort of hard to promote the film and celebrate the film. You know, it's like, I feel like I'm taking up space, but um, I, I think it was someone that was posting in some of the threads about the film on online or on Facebook that this is all we can do. Like we have to tell our stories. Right. And so I've been trying to think about it that way. And then I guess, you know, having these conversations, we can keep just keep talking about it as we also promote the film and make sure that the stories get out there. Yeah. Um, I, I was in a, I was in a work meeting yesterday talking about what's going on um, here in the States and the AIPI attacks. And we're talking about an event and we're going to have some pretty heady Asian Americans talking very, mm. um, very high level about, you know, the history of all this. And I was saying, you know, I, I, I can appreciate that, but I want to celebrate our wins as well. And I want to celebrate our community and I want to celebrate mm -hmm. arts and entertainment and, and food and film. And so um, how has this film been received so far? And um, are you getting a lot of positive feedback? Well, I mean, South by is a huge, huge win for you. So can you talk a little bit more about what the community's feeling and maybe even outside the community, what you're hearing? Yeah, I, I haven't read a single review yet or watched any of these interviews I've done. I'm, <laughs> I'm just not ready to. And I, I'm not sure that that ever helps. But um, our team and my partner, my family, everyone is saying across the board, the reviews have been great. Uh, which was shocking to me. I, I did expect to get slammed a little bit um, more just because uh, I feel like the South by Southwest Film Festival's programming are, they're usually like really fast paced and funny sort of films, I think lighter. And this is like a slower movie with no name cast, Filipino cast, Filipino language. I just didn't think people would connect with it but it seems like they are, and especially the Asian and Filipino audience. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been really great. And just also like, I've done so many interviews now with Asian or, or Filipino journalists, and that has also made me realize how important it is that we need representation in journalism too, because they just, they understand the film. They're asking different questions. Um, and I don't have to explain so much, you know, there's, there's like something so small as um, all of the, the religious icons in the movie <laughs> where I've had a Filipino journalist say like, that's probably like a huge, um, so it's, it would be really symbolic for a lot of other journalists, but for a Filipino that's just our house. Like that's just decor. <laughs> I have some of those like that holy water shaped like Mary. Yeah. The uh, Santo Nino. I have those right. exact statues. My mom has those exact statues right now. Yeah. 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 It was like, <laughs> and they're just like there. And of course they're, you know, they're, they're religious and, and everything, but you know, as a filmmaker, I wasn't like trying to make a statement about Jesus or God or anything, like maybe a little bit, but <laughs> you know, it's just what's in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, in, it, it is a film about a Filipino Canadian family, but at its heart, it's just a story of, you know, two very lonely peoples, broken people. And that's something that can connect across the board, especially us living this life of quarantine for however, who knows how much longer. Um, I feel like 
you may not be reading the reviews, but it's it's such a relatable film to anyone because because of that topic alone. So um, I just want to thank you for putting this story out there and um, and in a time when we really need it, we really need more stories like this. And I, I think you need to look in the mirror, Martin, because you're so talented and you're like, oh, it's such a, such a typical Filipino. Oh, you know, I thought everyone would hate it. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just, yeah, I wasn't expecting much, you know, but really just, I hope you take some time to really celebrate your hard work in oh, this thanks. and, um, you know, leaving your mark in this way. And I hope you continue to make films. Thank you. I really like appreciate that. We're talking to Martin Edgerlin, the director and writer of the film Islands uh, at South by Southwest. So thank you so much for your time and yeah. come back. We, I feel like we need to have like a therapy session. Well, yeah, we're starting good. a group. <laughs> oh, that's right. Sorry. Maybe I'm not it can in be it. part of Bitch Talk. It can be like therapy time with Martin and Angela. Or <laughs> Sorry, great. Aaron. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's the offshoot. Shark can, Shark can join too, maybe if she wants. And take care. You know, your dad was there. My dad was there. My dad. I felt like my dad was saying hi to me while I was watching this movie. So your you know, your your dad is there too. My dad is actually in the movie, which is also crazy. <gasps> which he's um you know um in in the cafeteria where yes. they say it's Rocky's birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad's Rocky. Like that's his actual name, <gasps> and he never made it to that birthday, which is also another crazy thing. Oh my god! All right. Yeah. <laughs> He's what walking out of walking out the door. One of the, the three people. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But you know, uh, he can't see the movie. But I've got him with the movie mm-hmm. forever, forever, mm-hmm. which is yeah. also great. Mm. Yeah. Take care. Sending you a hug, Martin. I know. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Hugs Sending you, you a hug. hugs to everyone. Yeah. 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 talking about a thousand cuts we're sitting here with Ramona Diaz filmmaker and Ruby Ibarra musician thank you so much for being here ladies we are delighted to talk about this film oh it's a pleasure thanks for having us so I'm going to go ahead and start with you Ramona can you please tell us a little bit about a thousand cuts so a thousand cuts is really um, a look at the Philippines under President Duterte at this time through the backdrop of um, uh, the midterm elections, and specifically through the point of view of one journalist who is speaking out against Duterte, Maria Ressa. Um, and so we look at uh, the drug war through the prism of disinformation and, um, and press freedom. Sounds a lot like a country I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure sounds, what you're talking about. I, sounds I, very familiar. <laughs> yeah, the parallels are uncanny. Uh, but how did you meet Maria and, and learn about Rappler and, and, and get into this? I knew I wanted to do a film about Duterte and the drug war because like in 2016, I started seeing all these horrific photos on my Facebook page. And, it, it, you know, there were photos I couldn't turn away from, right? I mean, I've built a career on telling Filipino and Filipino-American stories. So it was one thing that was, I was being drawn to. So I had this idea of making this film about Duterte and the drug war, not really knowing what it was. So I was on the ground in Manila in like May 18, 2018, mid-2018. And I met a lot of... Uh, you know, opposition and people in his inner circle, just trying to figure out how to tell the story. And I thought, you know, I should really talk to journalists. And the loudest voice against Duterte at that time was Rappler and Maria Ressa. So one thing led to another, I met her. um, And actually, I have a funny story about that. If we have time, I can tell you later. But we met her. and, uh, And then one thing led to another. And, you know, Access takes time in documentaries, especially the kinds of documentaries I do, they're very immersive. Mm-hmm. So you have to stay a long time. Presence is key. Mm-hmm. Um, but she gave us full access in the end. Yeah. And you um, just mentioned Facebook, and I was really struck by the numbers of um, uh, social media users in the Philippines. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah. For three years running now, we um, Filipinos spend the most time on social media, like 10 hours a day. Uh, which is crazy. It is a social media uh, country. Well, we were at the texting capital before texting ever became a thing. I remember visiting in, what was it, late the late 90s? And everyone was texting. I had no idea what it was. Like, <laughs> On their flip phone? 
Yes. Okay. I mean, so before everyone, <laughs> right. everyone, before everyone is texting, I, I'm before the aughts, so yeah, before yeah. 2000s. Um, and they were also good at it with those small keyboards you know, like, <laughs> where you had to press five times to get to what you want. Um, T9. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 So, so they've always been ahead. And I think it's... Um, has to do with the national character. We hate saying no. So texting is perfect, right? Because you don't even have to reply, right? Um, so it, we're non-confrontational. So social media is great. Texting's great. So it really, really aligns with the national character. So I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm just laughing because my two teammates here are Filipina. That, that, so that you true, have though? totally... Isn't that true? Yes. Yeah, yes. You, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for... Yes. She could probably uh, admit that that's exactly what you just described is how to she deals with, two, with the two of you hit the nail on the passive yeah. aggressive head. Yeah. Yeah. So Ruby, I want to get you in on, yeah. the, on the conversation. How did you get involved with this project? Um, I was honored to receive a, an email from their team one day and they were asking if, I think they were initially looking at one of my music that I had produced um, prior from mm -hmm. um, my previous album. And as a conversation continued around you know, making this music for the specific film, um, I think it was. It might have been Ramona's idea to yeah. bring up. Um, why don't we create something original, um, specifically for this documentary? And um, you know, we were in a very tight uh, time frame, mind you. This was also during the holidays. But at the same time, just me being such a big fan of Maria's work, and also having just uh, recently learning about Ramona's work as well. Um, so, kind of a, a side story. I, I met. Ramona and Maria in person for the first time when I was out in the Philippines. Um, I actually had a chance to perform at the Rappler Studios mm -hmm. um, last year in March. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and this was, I think, during the time where Maria had just gotten arrested again. And um, me and my band were unaware that she was actually already released. So we were in the middle of uh, filming our performance and then in walks in Maria into the office. And then I'm just there trying to keep my composure and remembering my lyrics. I'm like, oh my right. God, it's Maria Ressa yeah. just walked into she's the room. She's a superhero. And yeah. Yeah, for me, she, she definitely is an icon. She's a superhero. And what I love about her and Ramona too is that they're both Penais who are fearless in the work that they do. And um, I think that very much aligns with my values and also my artistry. So when it came to the opportunity of um, creating an original song for this movie, of course I had to say yes and I wanted to be a part of it um, in any chance that I could. And it totally makes sense. I mean, Ange and I know who you are, yeah. but I think the audience is listening doesn't know who you are. So, so happy that you were brought on board for this film. It makes total sense. So. It was an honor. Yeah. No, it's just great. Yeah, I have to say, I've never been so excited <laughs> to wait for the credits. I'm like, what's the song? <laughs> Let me hear it. It's so it's so good. This is like the perfect marriage. But you don't understand. She came, I mean, we were all like crazy trying to get through the finish line, right? And this idea of creating an original song at like the 12th hour, <laughs> but she just jumped in. She's like, sure. I'm like, okay, here's the film. We sent her a link. And the first thing she sent back, we were like all blown away. I mean, she totally got it the first time. There were a few things, you know, tweaks here and there, but for the most part, it's what she has submitted for the very first time. It's just great. I mean, it's amazing. It's the premise of the doc. Strong women make things happen. There you go. I mean, this Rappler yeah. is not backed by any big business. It's run by women. Yes. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the filming of this because, you know, Maria puts herself right on the front lines. Uh, so did you or your crew ever feel uh, threatened or, or any certain way by following her and just kind of like, all right, make the sign of the cross and jump in? That Basically that. <laughs> right? I mean, there's a scene in the film where... Um, Maria's talking to her sister, right? Mm -hmm. One of the hotel scenes. Yes. And, and Maria's saying, you know, you just figure it out and you just do it, right? You're, if you're good with it, you do it. I think that's how I felt. Like, if I had thought about it too much, I would, I think, um, fear would have gotten uh, the better of me. And But I think that in years to come, I would have regretted not doing this. I'm a documentary filmmaker. If I shied away from this, I think the big regret, it would have been. So the imagined regret was stronger than the fear hmm. at that moment. So I just did. I, I knew it was the right thing to do. Um, my concern was the local crew who had to stay behind, mm -hmm. right? So we had to have that conversation. We are leaving after the shoot. You're staying. Yeah. It's perfectly okay if you don't want to still be involved right I mean we gave them a way out and each and every one of them stayed they said no this is a good this is the right story to tell and we should tell it it was amazing yeah 
And uh, the gut punch of hearing the war on drugs again, I was like, this this was already done in the U.S. and it didn't work. So can you talk about that that through line, too, in the film? Yeah, the drug war, you know, um, it, uh, candidate Duterte, right, mm-hmm. when he was running for president, he promised the drug war. He promised that he would get each and every drug pusher, drug killer, you know. That was, he ran on that, right? And he made good on his promise. But no one, I think, ever really understood that it was extrajudicial killings, right? He was gonna, the basically the police is like allowed to go out and without any due process, gun down alleged right drug users and drug killers uh, and drug pushers the poor the poor yeah yeah and they're extrajudicial because they don't go through the due process but the narrative of the police is that they fight back you know but uh, forensics show that they they don't have i mean they don't have the means to fight back the police are armed right they're running away so a lot of them are shot the back they're mm-hmm. not fighting back right? right they're running away so um yeah, yeah. it's horrific the numbers are like 27,000 extrajudicial killings according to human rights groups and before this film i saw the film the kingmaker yeah. and i mean there was obvious planting of evidence on film which was insane so yeah thank you for capturing all of that oh you're welcome yeah I wanted to talk about, uh, and I'm glad that you bring this up in the film. Um, you know, I have some family members in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and I asked them, like, how, what do you feel? How do you feel about about Duterte? You know, because obviously it, it's horrible. We we face this with our own president, pretty much down to the T. I mean, the nepotism, the the fake news, like basically they're running from the same mm-hmm. rule book. Um, and my family members there, as you spoke to in the film, are like, well, you know, it doesn't affect me, and you know, there's less. And I'm just like, wait, what do you mean? And and you speak to that. So thank you for for talking about that and how that's, you know, that's that's a dangerous way of thinking. Yeah, because I think the numbers are so horrific. I mean, they're so high, right? 27,000, it boggles the imagination. I, I think at some point that you stop thinking, you have to stop thinking about it to live in the country, right? But yeah. then on the other hand, you can't. You can't afford to turn your eyes away because they will be coming for everyone, right? Where is the line? That, you know, they'll never stop, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's the drug pushers and drug dealers. They were talking about, you know, and then he went after the tanbais, the loiterers. They could, people couldn't loiter. But if you, if you look at the neighborhoods, those neighborhoods, like, encourage you to just, you know, you're sitting on the stoop because it's hot inside. So, yeah, so when, where, where does it stop? They don't think mm-hmm. of impunity, right? Once mm-hmm. you give the government, like, a, you know, a means to kill and not question it it doesn't stop mm-hmm. and i and i think i think that uh ruby i think you're a great spokeswoman for mm-hmm. what's happening in in the philippines and spreading your message and, and being socially conscious in your music and, and i really appreciate that so can you talk about your process of like what's happening there and, and trying to bring it out here and, and making it mainstream um, I think with every work that I do with my music, I understand that as an artist, just like as a director or you know a filmmaker, um, the work that you put out, it's it's on a larger platform, and you're not essentially when, once the product is out, you're not just speaking for yourself. You're also going to be uh, influencing others. So when I do talk about what's going on in the Philippines, um, I try to do you know m- careful research on it and make sure that what I'm saying is um, not only positive but also unfiltered and unbiased, like not just having my opinions, but realistic to what's actually going on. And um, with a lot of the work that I do, too, I also am mindful that, you know, as a Filipino-American, a lot of people, especially in my age group and um, within my generation, we don't really have that connection anymore to the homeland. And I want to make sure that, you know, it's important that what's going on over there is very real and we should care about and we should... Um, know about what's going on over there because it directly affects us and it's like what you guys have been mentioning in in this conversation it's aligned with what's going on in this country as well Mm. well thank you so much for being here again we've been speaking to ramona diaz and ruby barra of a thousand cuts it's really been an honor appreciate it oh thank Thank you you for having us thank you it's great thank you If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. 
My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. Yeah. If I fall, I stand up, break these walls, I rise up Even when I lose it all, I always got my eyes up They praying on my downfall, but I'll never give up A thousand cuts won't be enough to keep my fists in these cuffs uh. And I'm never breaking down when the odds against me Blind girl, gold crown with the gods within me, yeah I was the flower that bloomed in the dark room Flows like monsoons from the womb When I write, move runes and resume my root to last soon Pray too many moons on my wounds would not bloom Where we from, death moves will be hummed with these tunes And hope it sparks light like a night in mid-June My heart's consumed by hate here It's harder when you live fear How can you see clear when you don't see you in the mirror? Uh, I lost too many peers They seem to disappear But they're living through these words that I'm painting here So tell me you'll remember me I'm here to build a legacy I got the ground moving under me A thousand cuts ain't never stopping me